You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 87. Our confidence and our skills within ourselves will only carry over to our clients and their abilities to feel successful around dealing with conflict. So the more tools we have to deal with what I think is a distinct aspect of a coaching session or mm-hmm. You know, it's always there. Listen, people call it collaboration. They don't want to call it conflict because there's a long-term, and maybe this is another piece. There's a long, our long-term memory is is the same part of our brain as our emotional core. So people go back all the way to when they first experienced conflict and they sort of grab in that moment all the feelings they have around that word when they decode it. So nobody likes conflict. I would say, listen, it's a growth industry. Tap into it. People, you know, it's always there. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, and am always happy to have you with us. I look forward to sharing our topic with you today because I believe it is something that we all can benefit from getting clearer about how we help clients deal with conflict and how we ourselves deal with conflict. And we're going to get to that in just a second. I do want to take a moment to let you know that this episode is being sponsored by my Mentor Coach Program, which is currently open for enrollment. If you happen to need your mentor coaching hours for recertification at ACC level or would like a solid 10 hours of core competency credits for your recertification and just to be able to build your skills, learn about the new PCC markers and explore your successes and challenges in your coaching with other coaches, be able to connect and build that community, then this program might be exactly what you're looking for. Complement the group with some individual work. And as a whole, it's one of my favorite things to do in my practice. So if you are interested in the mentor coaching program, check out the mentor coaching link on starcoachshow.com or the link in the show notes. And I'd love to work with you if that's something that interests you. So now let's dive into our topic today, which is all about understanding conflict resolution. How can we as coaches and as individuals, as people, get clear about how we respond when there's conflict in our lives, maybe even conflict within a coaching session, and definitely how can we help our clients understand and respond to the conflict in their lives in a way that helps them move forward. 
helps them engage in a way that is beneficial to them as as we partner. So we're going to visit today with Dave Gerber. Dave is the president and founder of Synergy Development and Training. He is, has been motivating people to become the best version of themselves for decades and is a motivational speaker He and coach. He inspires his audience to transform the way that they engage with the world around them. And we're going to be focusing specifically today on one of his favorite tools. He's going to talk to us about Christopher Moore's Sources of Conflict. And I will encourage you, if this is information that you find interesting, listen till the end of the show, and I'll give you some ideas of different places you can get additional information about this particular source. So we're going to focus on this from two angles, from how we ourselves deal with conflict, as well as empowering our clients. I think you're going to enjoy the perspective that Dave shares, and I invite you to join the interview now. Dave, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you. It's really exciting to be here. So you are a expert. You're actually known as the conflict healer. I think that conflict management and just kind of dealing with conflict ourselves can get muddy. It can get sort of uncomfortable and then we want to move away from it and we don't necessarily know how to deal with it. So I was really excited to bring you on the show and have us deal with conflict sort of two-tiered in looking at how we ourselves deal with conflict. Because when we bring stuff into a session as a coach, that's going to muddy the session. So how do we sort of clear the field ourselves? And then how can we use some of the things that we're talking about as a coach in a session? Because our, co- our clients are certainly going to be dealing with conflict as well. And truthfully, sometimes we get brought into a coaching engagement because there's so much conflict going on in an organization. Absolutely. So, so with that sort of looking at it that way, how would you like to begin this discussion around conflict management? So I think it's awesome to be here and to talk with you about this subject. One of the things that we talked about off air is that you have a really good following of, of coaches who appreciate the distinctions around the craft. And particularly in this case, we were talking about how we can be a more informed listener. And and I like the idea that you talked about with combining and looking at how we can use maybe a tool for ourselves and also how we can use it for our clients. You also said something which is probably where I want to start, which is conflict is really messy, right? And most people don't want to deal with it. Uh, and the sad part is, is that unfortunately, we haven't really given people through K through 12 education, college education, some basic skills that I think that if they had and they, they would go, wow, why didn't so I always get people say, why didn't I just learn this in high school? You know, I hear that all the time. Why didn't we learn this in school? Yeah, right. exactly. So I think that if one thing is we can let ourselves off the hook a little bit 
and then say, okay, now I'm going to go figure out the skills that I need in order to be more effective, you know, in my life as I pursue self-actualization and as I help my clients work through tough issues. And as we know, all issues are tough, you know, if they're ours and they're, and we're, and we're stressing about them. Yeah. We get pulled into the weeds. We can't see anything but that. Absolutely. So let's, I thought it might be good to talk about a particular tool, which is Christopher Moore's tool around the sources of conflict. Okay. And I think that this is a great tool. I I liken it to, if you remember some of some listeners might remember, might remember overhead projectors, you know, it was like in the class and the teacher had the, the thing with the light and there was like a gerbil running it. And, you know, they would, you would take that trans that's transparency and you'd put that over top and you could write on it and it would project up on the, on the board. And so I think of this tool, which is a really user friendly, easy to apply tool as that, that sort of framework that we're going to put over top that transparency that we're going to use on any issue on any issue related to any kind of conflict. Okay. So I thought we would talk about that and look at it for ourselves and then shift when you're ready to look at how might that help us be a better coach, be better in the moment without getting in our own way by thinking too much. Excellent. Excellent plan. So what kind of turned you on to this tool? Well, I was what I love and sort of what I think my purpose here on this planet is for is to help take difficult, messy subjects and simplify them so that people can use them and apply them to their lives to grow faster. Mm-hmm. So uh, wisdom faster is what I'm looking to help. So when I find tools that are brief and easy to use and easy to apply both in my personal and my professional world, mm-hmm. like that's gold to me. Yeah, and so sign I, me up. You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. see this as gold and some people may have heard about it in Conflict 101 and if they didn't, then Conflict 101 wasn't very good because this is basic stuff you need to know. Okay. And so if you did hear about it, hopefully we can, I can provide a little bit of a different spin on it so that you'll get more out of the tool. And then I use it all the time. You know, if we're the best, if we're being the best version of ourselves in the moment, mm-hmm. we can actually like apply some of these tools and then make our life a lot easier. And so that's not, it's easier said than done, but it, these types of tools that are easy to hold on to and easy to remember you have and easy to apply. Kind of like, you know, in the coaching world, we have the stoplight theory, right? It's green, right. yellow, red. It, it's right. easy. It makes sense. It works. You can use it all the time. And so people like that. Okay, excellent. So tell us a little bit about the tool. Okay, so Christopher Moore did research and, and studies conflict and studied basically and said that all conflicts fall into one of five categories. Now, Yes, it's important to understand that as we look at some examples, they do overlap into some of the other categories. But in order to use this tool and be effective for ourselves, Mm -hmm. for clients we'll talk about later, it's really about identifying the primary source of conflict. Okay. So he identified five sources of conflict, which I'll take you through. I'll share them and then we'll go a little bit deeper. But the, the goal first off is to go, wow, okay. All conflicts fit into five sources. Bravo. Becomes, I can do that. It becomes a little more manageable right there. Absolutely. And that's what this is about, right? So we want to be able to take in this data in real time while we're listening. And we have sometimes, if we're not present, another voice talking to us and sort of bring it back, but have a framework of all conflict. So, and that's pretty cool because it takes, like you said, the abstract and it makes it concrete. We can do something with it. And in the conflict space, we say, if you can name it, you can change it. 
right? So if it's ourselves, which sometimes is harder than naming yes, people, yes. we can change it. And so that's what this helps us to do. So Christopher Moore says, well, all conflict comes into five sources. Now, I can either give you the five if you'd like them, or I can take you through them in a way that I think you'll find, I think you might like actually. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and take us through them? Okay. So Christopher Moore says that the first and lowest level of conflict, and remember these five are going to get progressively more difficult to deal with, which is why we want to get to conflict early and often so that it doesn't get to other things. But this is also, as I said, about identifying the primary source. Sometimes the primary source of conflict is not what it seems, and we'll get to that. So the first one was data, information. So the first source of conflict that people have is information. So maybe I didn't give you the data. Mm -hmm. Maybe we interpret the data differently. Maybe the data is incorrect. There's some problem with information. So was this where maybe assumption would fall in or is that a different level? Assumption is going, well, you could, you could make assumptions sort of like you fit in everywhere because right. in terms of assumption, you might be making assumptions about what the data means. That it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's okay. really about the focus of information and, okay. and you'll see assumptions can come in in each one of these categories mm-hmm. generally, unfortunately just drive the inertia of the negative. Right. Right. Absolutely. So the first one's information. So think about an example, right? They created what we have is uh, many companies have an intranet. So they developed an intranet because they people were bumping into each other and saying, hey, where do we get our insurance from? And how many days off do we get? And they're like, no, we're going to put it all in one place and you're going to be able to read it. And we're not going to have any, we're going to have less discussion or discrepancy about these issues because it's all right there. Okay. Okay. Now, that's a different kind of a data example versus someone giving you wrong information or mm-hmm. data, et cetera. But the, mm-hmm. fundamentally, first category is data. And, and the important thing to remember is oftentimes, conflicts are really about data, but they don't get addressed at the data level. And so they become, they fall into another issue. So then they move into a different level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's give an example and I'll pause it and we'll come back to the example. So Imagine somebody comes and says, I can't understand why every time Jeff just will not just give me the information that I need, that file. I need it every Friday. I don't understand what the problem is. I don't know what his problem is, right? Mm -hmm. It'd be very easy to create, turn and look at this as a relationship issue, which is actually the third category we'll come back to. Mm -hmm. No, this isn't about that. This is about an information exchange. Can we agree that on Fridays we're going to meet at 3 p.m. and we're going to share this And then it's done. And it was really about not getting the information because Jane couldn't move forward in her life because she needed that to go home. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy for data issues to get turned into something else. So a lot of times when it comes to relationship issues, which I said we'll come back to, we have to pause and go, wait a second. Like, is this just about low level information stuff that is not? And if we can resolve it at that level, won't it be so much better? Right. Yeah, exactly. Make it less cumbersome. And we won't be making another issue that's not really the issue. Okay. So that's the first one. The next one is where is a huge pitfall, and it's probably it's much bigger than data. It's every day, all the time for many people, which is interests slash expectations. Okay. So imagine that you know conflict is defined as anybody getting in the way of your needs. So if a manager has an expectation that you stay until the work is done and an employee has an expectation that at 5 PM, that's when they go home. That's an expectation conflict. We don't often drill down and find out what the actual interests and expectations are. So for instance, you take an example, mom comes home from work. 
she comes in, she sees both of her kids and they're fighting over an orange. And she, she's, she just walks up, she grabs the orange, cuts it in half, gives one half to the one, gives the other half to the other. And she walks on and she, she takes about 10 steps and she looks over her shoulder and she looks back and both kids are staring at half an orange. Like what just happened? And what mom, what mom didn't say is what did, what do you need the orange for? Yeah. Okay. And we'll come back to that. Cause that's a huge key question. All right. We'll get back to that. But if she had one kid would have said, I need it for the juice because I'm thirsty. And the other might have said, I need the rind for a cooking recipe that I'm making for cupcakes tomorrow. So then we get in, that's where the mess happens, right? It's like, oh my gosh, like different interests, different expectations. We thought the conflict was going to be solved, but it's not. So we didn't get enough data to even know that that was what was going on to be exactly. And you might, and remember they're independent too. So you might've had, right. And you're right. She didn't get the data, which if she had, she might've made a better decision. Right. But about what their interests were, she did right, exactly. get that information. And so interest and expectation conflicts show up all the time in supervisor, non-supervisor relationships, high-performance teams. Because uh, we put all- our perspective on it without finding out what, what the real interest is in, in the activity. Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. why one of my favorite tools, which we're not really talking about today, but if in the future you're interested, it's a seven-step planning model that people use to prepare for difficult conversations. And a lot of it comes from the work of, of Yuri and Fisher and the getting to yes kind of stuff that Mm -hmm. was done before. Mm -hmm. And it helps people really lay out, okay, what my interests are, what are their interests are? And really being able to do that helps you make better decisions and be more informed and also not deal with the stress of difficult conversations that happens because most of the time people walk in with a great deal of ambiguity because mm-hmm. they haven't taken 45 minutes or so to think about this other person and what's really going on for them. Mm-hmm. But, so that's, that's then leads to the third one, which is relationship, really? right? You gave us and a teaser about that. We knew relationships was coming. That's yeah, right. right. Okay. Exactly. And the thing is, is we, because we're human animals, most of us go back to this sense of relationship. So it's, it's a part of everything. It's part of mm-hmm. home, part of work. Yeah, we have a tendency to make conflicts very personal. For, mm-hmm. for instance, we get cut off on the highway. We take that personally because it's our safety. It's the safety of our kids. It just happened to us. Right. Uh, yet the person who cut us off doesn't know us. Right. They don't, it they wasn't don't, a personal thing. They're all about themselves. Yeah. Exactly. So the same thing shows up with all types of relationship conflicts. The, the one thing that people have to be careful of when they use this tool for themselves, right, and others, is to not go, oh, well, it's just relationships. It's just, we just don't get along. It's like we have to really peel back the layers of the onion, so to speak, to really find out what's really going on. Because maybe if you and I were in a conflict, I might think it's interpersonal, yet if we talked about it, we would find out that, no, it's actually not personal at all. It's actually because... We wanted, you wanted the show to go one way and I wanted it to go another way. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so it became personal. So when people kind of slow down and step back and remember one of my favorite quotes from Elias Porter, who said, we judge ourselves by our intentions and we judge other people by their behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. it's pretty powerful. Right. So if we slow down, we can unpack some of that stuff and not just throw it into a category and say, oh yeah, it's just interpersonal. Well, remember that example of the data mm-hmm. that I used with, I think I used Jeff and Jane. So if Jeff and Jane had a conversation 
And they said real quickly, hey, would it be okay to meet Friday at three o'clock and just I'll hand you that? And that can be like our modus operandi. And they're like, yeah, okay, that works. It probably takes a lot of issues out. Boom. All of a sudden they look at each other and they're smiling. They're going, I really never had a problem with this person. I just had a problem that I couldn't get the data. So So it sort of changes in Jane's mind from being her sort of persecutor and her person who's always on her last nerve to, okay, now we've got a system. And it ne- and it never really was interpersonal. It was right. just uh, right. Exactly. It was the, it was the the system of data transfer they needed. Exactly. So you've got data. You've got interest and expectations. You have relationships, which is a huge one. Then you have a really tough one, and one that really bugs most of us because it's it's called structural. So now, if I didn't make the policy on the healthcare, and you didn't make the policy on the healthcare. Why are we having a conflict with one another? We didn't make, we, it, this is structural. This is procedural. This is process. This is how things get done. This could be where people are forced to sit or where they're forced to work. Or it, it's not just a physical structure. It's, it's, it's everything related to the functioning of a business or a family or a unit or whatever. So a lot of people will sometimes have, will have conflict over some structural issue that they, because they're just frustrated about it. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're frustrated at the other person, but once what happens when people start to argue about it, all of a sudden it becomes interpersonal mm-hmm. and then they go, Oh yeah, it's just a relationship conflict. No, no, no. It's a structural conflict that you got so frustrated with on your own end that you had a personal conflict. So for instance, take two teams in the same company. And or two people in the same company. And it's like, that's my job. No, it's my job. Mm-hmm. My job. Well, let's go back and let's pull out the the manual, which says the job description yeah. of your the job. And responsibilities, yes. Because we didn't make that up. That's right. someone else made that for us. So the the structural conflicts are really tough. However, the good thing is when you understand and identify that it is a structural conflict, mm-hmm. you can kind of like take a breath and be like, okay, I don't whatever happens, I don't really have a lot of say in how this is going to go down because, you know, I'm not United Airlines. I'm an employee of United Airlines. I can only do so much. They have structure, you know what I mean? Or whatever example, whatever company somebody's working with. So, or, or ourselves, Hey, I want to do more coaching, you know, for a particular company, but they have a lot of firewalls around how many interviews you have to have and all these, that's all structural stuff. But if it's not identified as structural, maybe you'll be frustrated at the person who's interviewing you because you're frustrated over structure, but it's not an interpersonal problem. Mm-hmm. So that's the fourth one. The fifth one is the biggest one and it's the toughest one and it's, it's values. It's the fifth one. Yeah. Exactly. It's values. It's values. And it's like, can I, can I ask anybody to change their values? I can ask, but okay. most people have them as core values. And so right. they're not going to change. So you might have one group that says, I'm really interested in getting this project completed. And you might have said, you know, like, I want to get it done. And the other one says, well, we have some safety concerns about this project. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, don't worry about that. We're just going to go. And we're gonna yeah, we're just going to push ahead. We got a and, deadline. And we we got to get going. Yeah. And that's okay. And then all of a sudden, and it may not even be that team A doesn't value safety. It just may be that even in that value of safety, one is perceiving that they're way more safe. Mm -hmm. So you can have a conflict over even the same values, Mm -hmm. right? So we both believe in safety, but we just perceive it differently in this place. But values is huge because it's one of those conflicts that is really tough to talk about. Right. So 
for ourselves, and maybe this is actually a really good transition that we can circle back, mm-hmm. of looking at how we help our no, I think this is a perfect time to kind of transition into, so that those are these are five uh, levels we can look through our lens at and determine for ourselves. And then not, let's look now at how we can help our clients with exactly. that. Exactly. And I'm going to go, I'm going to work backwards because we're on values. So let's stay with that because that can be one that really shows up for coaches that are helping clients who are having tough decisions about moving forward because they might have a relationship issue that's a value, that's got value mm-hmm. stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to va- when it comes to most of these data, interest expectations, relationship structural, they're a lot easier to talk about because they're they're safer, mm-hmm. and particularly in a world right now where the sensitivity is extremely high about what people talk about, how they talk about, when they talk, right. all those factors. Values is one where people are like, ooh, no, 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 I don't want to talk about that. So what I suggest that that people do is they look at values with respect to how they show up as behaviors. Okay. That's really huge because I can't talk about your values. However, I can say, I understand that you want to leave at 3.30 every day. At our company, we value that people stay till five. So I'm not asking you to change your value of, let's call it work-life balance and you want to leave at 3.30. I'm just saying maybe this isn't the right place for that meets your values and maybe it's not the right place to work. And that's a little extreme in the sense, but it sort of makes the point clear, which is I can't talk, I can't get into this whole discussion about work-life balance and what that means, because then it's going to be really conflict-laden. I can talk about how that person's values are showing up as behaviors. Mm -hmm. So maybe we have a value of respect and we're going to communicate in a way that is is respectful. Mm -hmm. And when someone's not communicating in a respectful way, right? And it's at the values level. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, maybe this isn't this isn't a good fit for this relationship or for this this mm-hmm. company or whatever it is. I can also see though that people are not always tuned into pers- their values are almost so embedded that they might not be completely aware. So when we say, let's talk about your need to leave at three thirty every day, it might bring up, well, this is my value. And help the person get tuned into that. So then we can move forward in how, how do we kind of look at whether it's a fit or not a fit. But helping people understand their values can also help them understand one another better. Absolutely. And that goes back to having discussion. And if we can name it, we can change it. And if we use tools like this, we have a framework, a professional academic framework that actually works, not just in concept, but actually works to give us some parameters about how to sort of safely have a conversation. And I think that's what's powerful. It allows us as an individual to say, look, okay, before I just start to solve this this conflict, mm-hmm. I need to unpack it a little bit and right. actually make sure that the solution I'm coming up with solves the problem. You know, if, if they go back to Jeff and Jane, if they don't come to an agreement to meet at 3 p.m., it's going to very soon become a very serious relationship problem between the right. two of them. And that will spiral to teams. It will be like a cancer, right? It just, nobody keeps conflicts to themselves. They share those with people and people build clicks and all that stuff, right? So right. this is all solved by better identifying for myself what this is before I get a solution. Now for the, for the coaches and how they're going to use this, I think this is awesome because it be, just becomes another 
tool, I guess, that's in mm-hmm. the toolbox right. to use. And it's also one that can be used close to a front when someone's talking about a conflict they want to work through or mm-hmm. a conflict they're having at work or in life. And you can use it to help yourself identify quickly what is the source. The mm-hmm. better you get using the tool for yourself, the better you're going to get to use in real time, right. identifying it as they're talking. And then once you identify it, you can kind of put it away because now you, what's going to happen is, right, we got to be present again mm-hmm. and, and that third level listening, that global listening. Mm-hmm. So we need to go, okay, but what it does is it allows the questions to be more insightful and educated because it's coming from an understanding that our client thinks this is a relationship issue. And really you very quickly were like, Oh, this is a data issue. So then you can shift your questions to get them to question themselves Mm -hmm. about whether or not their perception and their assessments are accurate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what, and I think that's where we started when we talked about this tool about why it's exciting, because it gives you something that you can use as a framework of reference for when your clients or when people's clients talk about conflict, grab it and go, oh, wow, this is a relationship or this is structural, this is values. And it doesn't get us down in the weeds and it doesn't really take us away from being present and being in the space. We can do it kind of like robotic, just kind of flip through the better we are and go, oh, okay. So when this person is trying to make all this, all these solutions in their world based upon an assessment that the conflict was in actually a different source than what it is. Mm -hmm. That's like, all right, hold the phones. We got to slow down and we got to talk about this. And, and then when I can see that it would certainly also allow us to give, because we don't want to fall into assumption as the coach either. So it can give us a framework to ask some really powerful questions to identify that source and, and kind of clarify is my assessment of where the source is coming from accurate and then how that can empower the, cl- the client to think about that, that conflict differently. Absolutely. And then the next level of usage is actually saying, client, would it be okay if we took five minutes out of our session for me to share with you a, a model that is helpful in identifying what the source of conflict is. And they say, of course. And you say, well, cool. So here's something you can use when you're not with me, which will help you because as coaches, we're transformative, right? And we're Absolutely. supposed to them so that when we go away, they're actually better. So now it's like, here's my gift to you for yourself. And now here's another framework to understand that when we have our client coaching sessions, I may ask you, hey, Jeff, Joe, Sally, what do you, what source of conflicts do you think this is? And then they go, oh, well, you know, before I even looked down at this before the session, I was really thinking this is a relationship issue. And now that you actually slowed me down and are using the tool, I kind of see how this might actually be a structural issue. And I actually don't have a problem there now. So maybe we can shift and talk about what the real issue is. Mm -hmm. Self-discovery, right? Mm -hmm. Provided from your little nugget around the sources of conflict. Mm -hmm. And now what happens is they walk around and they have more of a I call it a conflict radar that now they can go, Oh, boom. Like I see that. I see that my expectation is that people stay till five o'clock. Cause that's what we signed on. Mm-hmm. I see why that's creating conflict or frustration for me because this person is not doing that. So mm-hmm. we can apply it to ourselves mm-hmm. and we can apply it for our clients and we can teach our clients so that they can better use that whether they're with us or not. 
Excellent. So it, it kind of increases our listening at a different level as well. Listening for, as we have that tool, we have that instrument that we can look through that lens as a coach. It increases our listening around conflict and helping to empower our clients through tapping into where is the source really? And what, what does that do for your ability to engage and look at it differently potentially? Absolutely. Really well said. To be able to, to have the, the five sources, data, interest, expectations, relationships, structural values, to be able to have that just with you, I think is really valuable, you know, as you said, both, you know, with, with oneself and with the client. So when you are working in organizations that have structural issues that the employees feel very impacted by, but very powerless to do anything about. Any ideas on how you you work with people to deal with that kind of conflict that's going to continue to impact them daily, but they've realized is a structural thing that they don't have as much control over as they would like? So I give some sort of random thoughts and maybe you'll, you'll be able to piece them together. The first is what comes to mind is process improvement. So it's kind of like a lot of times processes were created by people who aren't actually doing the job, right? And, and so for one example was at a hospital, which had a particular uh, structural rules around how you picked up needle bags, people were getting poked. Mm. So they went back and they redesigned the structure and the rules of how it was going to be done. And they never asked the people who were picking up the bags. So the first thing to do is to think about how can I offer solutions because leaders want to deal with solutions. We don't, people don't want to hear about problems and people don't want to be tasked with more stuff than they already have to do. So the first thing is to sit back and say, okay, can this be done better? And if it can be done better, how does it get done better? And then it's how do I, with the right skills, approach people who do have the power to make those changes and show them that it's in their interests, right, to make these changes and that you've already thought through the ways they could be done. So you're moving more streamlined towards almost a rubber stamp, kind of like, oh, well, this is like a no-brainer. How do I make it a no-brainer? Mm-hmm. And that has to be balanced with something that someone told me, which is if it's a no-brainer and the answer is still no, it's politics. Mm-hmm. So there are those there are those different kind of or parallel structural kind of things that hold us back because it's like, yeah, I have a solution. I could do all that, Dave, but t- there's no one for me to give it to. Right. Well, that's that's a bigger issue. You know, and right. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are working in situations that are like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why you noted the frustration around it. That's what because they get this frustration and there's nothing they can do about it. Right. And then that, that might, you know, just need to be acknowledged and, and you do the best you can with the area that you have. And not everything is going to be completely solved either through coaching or through, you know, giving the best we can. It sometimes things are frustrating and, and are stuck. And, and Which is not the way that I want to end the interview. So let's look at something more positive. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I think this is one tool of many tools that people know of and that use. And I'm a really big fan of the Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. I think it was rolled out in many ways incorrectly and sort of became very popish. And I think there's some ways to think about that. And, and these things overlap too. 
mm-hmm. the big time temperament really overlaps. Okay. And, and Ralph Kilman, sort of like the father of uh, conflict management, who's awesome. He's got the Thomas Kilman and his partner have the Thomas Kilman instrument. So you can look at how, you know, sometimes you're going to need that. Well, it's no wonder that someone who's more extroverted would be more likely to be collaborative in the workplace because they're sort of geared that way. Mm-hmm. Yet that doesn't mean, so when we set up meetings, we still need to think about people who are, you know, the diversity of everything. So there's a lot of these little tools. I say little in the sense of easy, applicable to be able to help the client. There's a lot of really good resources out there in conflict management and and the sources of conflict is one of the key things that you really recommend as a, a the levels to look at the the sources and and being able to look through that lens with our clients to get ahead of some of the conflict. Our confidence and our skills within ourselves will only carry over to our clients and their abilities to feel successful around dealing with conflict. So the more tools we have to deal with what I think is a distinct aspect of a coaching session or, mm-hmm. you know, it's always there. Listen, people call it collaboration. They don't want to call it conflict because there's a long-term and maybe this is a, another piece. There's a long, our long-term memory is, is the same part of our brain as our emotional core. So people go back all the way to when they first experienced conflict and they sort of grab in that moment all the feelings they have around that word when they decode it. So nobody likes conflict. I would say, listen, it's a growth industry. Tap into it. People, you know, it's always there. In jest, it's always there. So if it's always there, let's get more comfortable with it so that it doesn't become, it's, it's not a dirty word. Right. It's, right. And that's the thing. It's not a dirty word. And when we reframe it, Mm-hmm. Right, and we just look at it as an opportunity and not necessarily a risk. Mm-hmm. Our whole body changes, everything changes. Our approach to it, our ability to access these tools, like the sources of conflict, all in the spirit and the name of trying to support our clients because we ourselves are 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 better off. Excellent. I like that idea. I like the idea of as coaches when we can reframe the way that we look at the word conflict, the way that that impacts us, when we empower ourselves to have the kinds of tools and strategies we need to be able to work with clients around those issues, then we're that much better for our clients. We're that much better in our own space and it's only a win-win. So. Thanks, Dave, for bringing this information forward for us, giving us food for thought, giving us some great resources. I really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great. I appreciate it. Good. It is my intention with every single guest that I have on the show that you're able to gain some new perspective, and hopefully add new tools to your toolbox of interacting with clients and ways to approach different situations. If you'd like to know more about Dave and Synergy Development and Training, check out the resource page at starcoachshow.com. If you're interested in the mentor coaching program, you can also get information about that at starcoachshow.com. And if you are enjoying the show, I would very much appreciate a rate and review on iTunes. Every positive rate and review we get brings new people to the show. And I would love to have more people 
be able to, to learn from the experts that we have on the show. If you know of somebody that would benefit from the show, share the link with them. And thank you again for joining us this week. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success.